Summer, summer, summertime. We just sit back and unwind. This is We Get It with Polly Sebilia and Brent Axe. Paul, you ready for summer? Dogs are committing suicide. All yes, over, they are. All over the world because this is on the World Wide Web. I've, I've been going hardcore the past few weeks, so I thought I'd go some clean rap today. Laid the Will endo Smith. down. There you go. By the way, well, completely off topic, did you see the Carrie Fisher news today? That is I horrible. did. I did. That is very... How old disturbing. was she? I don't know, 60-something? This is what hit me the most. She was 60. She had heroin, cocaine, ecstasy in her system. Carrie knew how to party. 60 doing ecstasy? Carrie's always been a little different. You know, she was a writer and, you know, got into some interesting things in her life, but right to the end there. But didn't they say the cause of death was sleep sleep apnea? It's a good thing I've got that mouth guard (laughs) because I have sleep apnea, Okay. When I die, I will not have any of those things in my system, I can assure you. But uh, I, I, I have a mouth guard that will pre- at least prevent me from dying of sleep apnea. I don't feel think better you, about that. I don't think you partied 45 years as hard as uh, Carrie Fisher. Not quite. All uh, right. Louisville just got handed its uh, NCAA sanctions recently, which they're going to challenge, and, and we'll see what comes out of that. But it basically comes down to this. Here you have Louisville, Syracuse, North Carolina, okay, three major, not only college yeah. basketball, but ACC programs, all the news for NCAA sanctions in recent years. All different cases. You can't compare apples to apples here. That being said, there's two questions that come to mind. One is, it's funny how, like, when certain people get before, you know, uh, like Jeff Sessions testifies before a Senate commission and he gets selective memory. It's funny how certain coaches get selective memory with these things, or they weren't aware of certain things. When you know these guys are anal about their programs and know everything about everything that's going on. The second thing is, when you compare Louisville or Syracuse, okay, which one looks worse? Which one's a bigger deal, I guess, is the question. I look at it two ways. What looks worse is what Louisville did. Yes. What I think hurts a school more and the integrity of a school more is what happened at Syracuse. I agree, because at least with Syracuse, you had high levels of people involved. They're having meetings about getting Fab Mello, you know, eligible again. Now, at least with Syracuse, like they investigated for eight years and this was pretty much the best they could come up with. And there were drug test violations, which are school violations are not even NCAA violations. And he had a couple of guys making a couple extra bucks at a YMCA, which, okay, whatever. Louisville had an assistant coach, and this is the, the key word that these coaches use, Paulie, went rogue and provided these players with strippers and hookers and all sorts of things. I got to say this. I may sound really naive. I actually can believe Rick Patino when he says there are certain things I didn't know about. That's bullshit. The only re- here's why I believe him because the dorm where this was all happening, like th- that was named after his brother-in-law, and there was a whole thing about why that dorm got named after him. I really believe Patino as much as a scumbag as Patino can be. We've seen some other things with him. Like I actually believe maybe he he didn't you know order the code red per se, but he knew like some things were happening that just don't tell me what it is, but get these guys signed kind of thing. You don't think that eventually a player was going to be talking about it in practice or somewhere where the coaches would hear 
that I bring out a stripper last night. See, that's how you hear about it. But you know, who go, even college kids these days who goes to up their coach, be like, "Yo, coach, I was hooking up with a hooker last night." You no, hear but, about that? no, but the coach is within earshot. Somebody's within earshot of these kids talking about banging hookers. I think that's how it got back to Patino. I don't think he ordered the code red. I don't think he said, "Here's how we're going to get these guys." He probably said something to the extent of, "Do what you need to do." You know, every recruiting trip, kids go on. They party. You know, they do all sorts of things that coaches try to. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Plausible deniability. You know, like they'll say something like, go show them a good time. Just don't tell me what it is. I think this falls into that category. But again, Patino, Beheim, Roy Williams, almost every coach that's ever been under NCAA sanctions all of a sudden gets very selective memory or points fingers and said, this person went rogue and I didn't do this and I didn't do that when they are so anal retentive about what happens with their program. I just think an 18-year-old kid's going to slip up and talk about banging a hooker. It's somebody above the, the rogue coach is going to hear about it. And it had to have been going on a long time. In both cases, okay, my favorite NCAA punishment is retroactive punishment. In Syracuse's case, they took away wins from Jim Beheim. In Louisville's case... This hasn't been made official yet, but it falls under the category of their 2013 national championship may be taken away. Why are you taking away things we all saw, we all know existed? You know, you do not have a DeLorean you can get into and fly back into the past and erase these things from our minds. Hit them where it actually counts. Scholarships. uh, Coaches pay. Coaches pay. NCAA pay, which I think they're going to have to give back some of that money, which they did to Syracuse as well. Hit them where it counts. Hit them at least will make them think twice about breaking rules in the past. Taking away a championship we all saw happen, what does that do? That is not a deterrent at all. That makes me ask you a question. In retrospect, should they have just let Fab Mello play and go for the national championship Absolutely. that year? Absolutely, because if that was your punishment, it's worth it. And as one coach said, I saw in this, of course, anonymous, so what What was my deterrent not to do what Louisville did? It, was, it would be worth it to me to get these punishments if that means I won a national championship. Not to mention, Paulie, the fact that the plot of he got game actually like came true at Louisville is fantastic. Which, by the way, somebody who had a cameo in he got game was one James Arthur Beheim. Trading the number one overall pick is dumb. I think it is. <laughs> Do you? I think it's dumb if you're not in a deep draft. This is a deep draft. So if Danny Ainge feels he can get somebody at the third pick this year because Philadelphia and Boston made this trade, if he's not completely all-in sold on Markel Fultz, the kid from Washington who's the consensus number one pick, as other teams are, and this is a deep draft, which it is. I talked to a scout, Paulie, that said in the first six picks, he sees six all-stars. And he said in a normal draft, there's two in the top six. Sometimes there's only two in the top 10. You go back to when Michael Carter-Williams was drafted, that's one of the worst drafts of all time. He won Rookie of the Year that year. That draft was awful. In a draft like that, no, don't get rid of the number one pick because you got the only good player in that draft. In a deep draft like this, why not? The Celtics have seven first-round picks now over the next three years, which can allow you to take a lot of great players or continue to make great deals. What about uh, Anthony Davis? There's a lot of rumor going around that they could be trading this third pick now for Anthony Davis. Well, if you want to build a super team and you want to compete with Cleveland, that's what you got to do, right? Paul George is out there now. He says he's going to leave after 2018. But now if I'm Indiana, 
I got to get something for him. I just can't let him walk out the door. So maybe he goes to Cleveland and, you know, becomes a part of that super team there. And that team could get past Golden State. They could actually beat them. But Danny Ainge is a lot of people are frustrated with him because he just keeps acquiring these draft picks and it's always about the future. There's another team in Boston that constantly does this. They're called the New England Patriots. It seems to work for them. So I'm going to side with Danny Ainge. And they were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. So the question is, you know, depending on who you trade and how, are you going to pay Isaiah Thomas $200 million? Because I wouldn't. I did a little Googling, and I found that it's happened six times where a team has traded the number one pick knowing they had the gotcha. number one pick. How'd that turn out? Uh, five times it went great. It worked out fine. So history's on Danny Ainge's yes, side Yes, Brad Doherty was traded by the Sixers for Roy Hinson. That was the only one. It didn't one. work out so well. No. no, but how about this one? You remember this one? Chris Webber to the Magic for Penny Hardaway. Great trade. Great trade for both sides. Penny Hardaway got hurt. Otherwise, he would have been great. The, the other ones are kind By of By the way, old. Penny Hardaway, star of Blue Chips oh, with Shaquille yeah. O'Neal. Remember that? Worst yeah. basketball slash athlete actor of all time, by the way. He was so stiff in that movie. <laughs> Coach, if I quit the team, will my mom lose her house and job? This one worked out pretty good for the Celtics. This is all the last boring trade history. They traded Joe Barry Carroll... For Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish. That worked out okay. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that Lakers Celtics 30 for 30, by the way? Not yet. It's DVR'd, so don't ruin it for me. Absolutely amazing. By the way, Back in our day when things were better. By the way, we're going to have a uh, win it before you can buy it 30 for 30 announcement coming up on ESPN Radio. So. Which will allow me to do my really bad Chris Russo impression on a future podcast. Yes, sir. Yes. No. No, 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 no. Yes or no? College recruiting is entertaining. Oh, you kidding me? It's it's fantastic. Are you serious? Yes, it is. I find it to be the most tedious thing to hear. It's entertaining to watch how seriously some people take it. It's entertaining to see how the recruits now use social media to their advantage. It's entertaining to see just, you know, how schools just fall over themselves to recruit these guys and, and how they just kiss their ass for sometimes four years, but three, four years. And then just to see, you know, these grown men, these big time, you know, millionaire five times over, you know, like Jim Harbaugh and the way these coaches just <laughs> just kiss the ass of a 16 year old kid. It entertains me to see how they just fall over themselves for these guys. So, yes. The answer is yes, it's entertaining. I almost fell out of my chair yesterday, I think it was, when I'm clipping through, uh, clicking through Syracuse.com and a headline for a long snapper signing with Syracuse University. And I, uh, who gives a shit? Listen, the long snapper, you know, you never hear about and That means they're doing their job. The minute they don't do their job, you know exactly who that is. Well, now this guy's got a whole article written on him about Special teams matters, Polly. Can you wish a single mom happy Father's Day on Father's Day? No. You wish a single mom happy Mother's Day. I disagree. Who you cares? disagree? Yeah. Okay. Who cares? A lot of moms play that role. Like, they do. They play both roles. Like My mom took me to Little League and- Played catch with me. She played both roles. I never wished her yes, Happy Father's Day, but I have zero anger towards it. There's a I'm lot of people say no, that get because back. I think that Father's Day is for fathers, Mother's Day is for mothers. 
You know, we don't have to open these things up to a lot of things. I believe me, trust me, I know what life is like for a single mother. Okay. But it's Father's Day. So I think it's just a tribute to dads, fathers in law, stepdads. That's all. Mothers get their due on Mother's Day. All right. I disagree. All right. Very liberal on that topic. What a role reversal yes. on that one. Yes. You're a loser. You suck. Hey, asshole. You guys suck. All right, Polly, our new favorite segment here on the podcast. These people are the worst. When did it become acceptable that everybody talks on their speakerphone? Like just walking around town on the speakerphone. I hear both sides of the conversation. It's one thing if it's music. That's one thing like back in the day people would listen to music, you know, on, on you know their boom boxes. Why do people walk around in public talking on the speakerphone? There's a phone there. Put the phone to your ear or use the phone cords. What the hell is this segment called again? These people are the worst. Uh, I like these people piss me off better. These people are the worst. People who ask what you're eating in the break room. When you're sitting there having your lunch and someone comes in and goes, what you eating? Look, you can't tell if a goddamn sandwich <laughs> or a bowl of soup or a salad. <laughs> no. That annoys the shit out of me. What you eating? Mind your own business. And you're always mid-bite when this happens. <laughs> you know? Well, I'm telling you, I'm chewing here. You know what? I, this is more of a me thing than other people. You know, I cannot stand the smell of other people's lunches. It drives me crazy. This is a me thing. It's a, I just I, I have a real phobia of this, and you can't avoid it when you're in an office setting. Come noontime, people start popping things in the microwave, and they're opening the fridge, and they're doing this. Or, like I work in an open office setting at Syracuse.com, and there's a kitchen, there's an area to go to eat, but some people, you know, eat where they're working, and it's like I don't know what it is, but what other people eat, I, every time it grosses me out. The other day I was in the office. And Josh and I were both looking at our shoes, thinking we had stepped in our dog's shit, and we couldn't find it. It was what somebody was eating. Yes, it? we both got up and walked towards the kitchen. Drives and it was, me crazy. Someone was eating turkey basted and shit. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? All right, Polly. I Googled stuff. You ready? Yep. It was this week in history in 1788 where the U.S. Constitution was officially ratified when the ninth state signed on. You know where that ninth state was, by the way, that made us a country? Um, Virginia. New Hampshire. No. Nope. It was this date in history, uh, 1934, the Federal Communications Commission was formed. Good for them. Fuck them. I'm sorry. We can say that now yeah. on this podcast until they get to us eventually. This day in history, 1967, Muhammad Ali refuses to be drafted to Vietnam, which just brings to mind you darn millennials and how tough these guys had it back in the day. Muhammad Ali lost three prime years of his career because he would not fight in a war. Ted Williams did fight in a war, lost many years of his career. Stan Musial, you know, those guys Jerry back. Coleman. Jerry Coleman, those guys back in the 40s that went to World War II and lost prime. Some, there's some guys that would probably be in the Hall of Fame if they didn't have to, you know, fight in freaking World War II. Millennials today, you know, complain that, that they don't have enough almonds in their salad. All right. If they're not allergic to nuts. That is probably 
more true. Uh, this week in history, Paulie, 1972, uh, Richard M. Nixon discussed with an aide uh, ways to obstruct the FBI's Watergate investigation. Did he say, I wish this would happen at any point? He did not. Okay. <laughs> he actually did it, leading to his eventual resignation two years later. Couple of big summer movies this week. The biggest summer movie of all time, in a sense, because I think it set the trend for summer movies. Jaws came out this week in 1975. I thought you were going to say One Crazy Summer with Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh, great movie. And uh, Demi Moore, right? Great <laughs> movie. Underrated flick. Yeah. Fantastic movie. The guy that sits in his, in in his, his apartment. Trying to win radio contests. All summer long. By the way, name your radio station. When did that movie come out? Oh, God. Uh, that like, had to be late early 80s. 80s. Who's giving away a million dollars in the late 80s in radio? It, had, it was earlier than that. was. Hold on. That was... That was 85-ish, 86, right? I think it was mid to late 80s. So, plot flaw aside, that a radio station was giving away a million dollars. That 86. subplot of that movie, that was 86? My freshman year in high school. What a great movie that I might have to watch that to see if it still holds up. Paulie and I are going to enter the regatta, try and win that trophy. Uh, Paulie, it was this week in history that Brett Hull was in the crease, costing the Buffalo Sabres a chance to go to Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Final. One of the worst no-calls in sports history. I haven't been in the crease in a while. Waka. This week, uh, Asia's self-titled album hit the charts in 1982, starting a seven-week run at the top. With just one song, the heat of the moment? Asia. Go get them. Can you name five Asia songs? Heat of the moment? <laughs> All right, Paulie, this week, the number one song in the country. I went back to 1997 because I told you last week what the number one song was in the country 30 years ago. So I went to 1997. Do you know what song in 1997 spent 12 weeks at number one, including this week? Holy crap. Uh, Was it the remake of Candle in the Wind? No, you're close. Right here. I'll be missing you. Puff Daddy, Faith Evans. Oh, yeah. Good tune. Know. I know that one. Yes. Can you sing it for us? No. Darn you. Uh, the number one movie in the country, uh, I'm going to give you two here this week, was in 1987, Predator. Great flick. One of the great rewatchable movies of all time. I don't know why it always gave me douche chills when the guy shaved with no water or... You know, it's badass, man. That just made me cringe. The gun, remember the big gun Jesse Ventura had in that thing? <laughs> By the way, how do you not beat the Predator with that freaking Gatling gun that he's carrying around? And of course, the greatest line in that movie. Get to the chopper! And uh, number one movie, 1982. I went back 35 years. This movie spent the better part on and off 25 weeks, number one. 1982? 1982. You got to know what this is. Is it a Star Wars related movie? It is not a Star Wars related movie. It's Uh, not officially Star Wars, but it had to do with things in the stars. E.T., Paulie. E.T. E.T. was a phenomenon. You know what I always think of when somebody brings up E.T.? Good marketing on their part. Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. They started it. Reese's Pieces. That's every time someone brings up ET. I want some Reese's pieces. Hit stages, they receive you on. Still can't believe you're gonna give anything to hear half your breath. I know you still living your life after death.